Malachi chapter 4. Malachi chapter 4. We're actually only really going to be going through the first three verses. Um, So bear with me here. Malachi chapter 4, verse 1. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven. All the proud, yes, all who do wickedly will stumble. And the day which is coming shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts. That will leave them neither root nor branch. But to you who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings. And you shall go out and grow fat like stall-fed calves. You'll grow fat. Yes. Um, Yeah, you'll grow fat. Um, A more accurate translation is you will skip about in the fields like well-fed calves. You shall trample the wicked... For they shall be ashes under the soles of the feet all the days that I do this. On the day that I do this, says the Lord of hosts. This is God's word. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. And God, we want to give you proper worship tonight. Lord, I, I don't want to give you routine tonight. I don't want to give you something that we always do. I don't want it to be church as usual tonight. God, I pray that we would open up our hearts to hearing from you and hearing from your word. God, often as we pray, Lord, that I could say anything up here and it could fall on deaf ears and it wouldn't even matter. Lord, but anything that comes from your word, anything that is directly from you, Lord, I pray it would be taken in. I pray that it would be etched upon our hearts. I pray that we would take you seriously tonight. And more than anything, Lord, I just pray that we'd enjoy you tonight. That we would enjoy your Holy Spirit. So God, God, fall on this place. We love you. We give you this time. In Jesus' name we pray with a loud and hearty amen. Love it. I love it, guys. Amen. <laughs> Have you guys ever heard Pastor Ken Graves? Has anyone ever heard him? Amen. <laughs> Go look him up and you'll laugh at that joke. <laughs> Last week, guys, um, last week we, we looked at the very important question. For those of you who weren't here last week, we looked at the very, 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 very important and relevant question of if God is so good, then why does he let bad things happen? Okay, that is the question that we addressed last week. We addressed the entire question of everyone asked, if he's such a good God, then why would he let bad things happen? And, and we came to a simple answer uh, last week. We came to the simple answer that Listen, if God were to heed that prayer, God, just stop letting bad things happen all the time. God, why would, if, if you're so good, then why is all there this loss? Why is there this pain? Why is there suffering? Why are all of these things here? And, and, and we looked at the simple fact that if God were to heed these prayers, if he were to answer our prayer to, for him to get rid of all wickedness, it would have to include the wickedness in our own hearts. So if God were to not allow bad things to happen, he would have to altogether wipe us out as well. Because every sin is equal before God. And so, so we yelled, God is, God is a bad God. He, he must be some sort of sadist that he would allow all of these bad things to happen. God is some sort of cruel and moral monster to allow such suffering in the world. But I would submit to you guys that the very fact that he allows bad things to happen in this world are a sign of his goodness. 
Because if he were to remove all wickedness, he would have to remove me. And so I thank God every day that he allows bad things to happen because it means my heart still, it, it, it can continue beating in this world. And so, and so I thank God that he allows bad things to happen. And I pray, I pray that one day there would be complete justice. But in the meantime, guys, it, it says in Malachi chapter 3, as we, as we learn, guys, in Malachi chapter 3, but who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer to the Lord an offering and righteousness. You see, the day will come. The day will come where Jesus will reconcile all of creation to himself. The day will come when all wickedness will cease. The day will come when everything bad that has ever happened will be brought to justice. And we pray for this day. But what Malachi would suggest is if Jesus were to come as we pray that he would, will we be able to endure it? Can you handle him? Is basically what Malachi is saying. Can you handle Jesus? Can you handle him? You see, guys, we, we looked really, really deeply last week into the, into the fact that Jesus will one day come and he will rid the world of all evil. That day will come. As we see in Malachi 4 verse 1, the day is coming, burning like an oven. But meanwhile, meanwhile, how are we allowing Jesus to purify the wickedness in our own hearts? You see, because we want to pray, we, we, we keep praying and we keep asking, and we keep complaining that the world is so wicked, not realizing that we are the solution Jesus is offering as Christians. You see, we, we complain about the world going into wickedness and, 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 and losing its values as though the world was once less wicked than it is now, right? It's not true. Every generation has been wicked and we are no different. A uh, hundred years ago was in no way more holy than it is now. But, but the, the fact of the matter is, guys, is that while we're waiting for Jesus to reconcile all things to himself, are we reconciling our own hearts to him? Are we allowing him to do a work in us? Are we allowing him to clean and purge us? And are we allowing him to answer the prayers of others when he is saying, uh, where is the God of justice? Where is the God of mercy? Where is the God of love? If we are the body of Christ, how, where are we acting? Where are we acting as the solution, right? Because we are a part of God's solution to reconciling this world to himself. That's the part of the gospel we are currently in. And I love it when he says, he says, for behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven and all the proud. Yes, all who do wickedly will, will stumble. And the day which is coming shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts. That will leave them neither root nor branch. God is reminding us, guys. God will be continually reminding us all throughout scripture. God is always reminding us that there will come a day where he's going to act swiftly upon sin. In his second coming, he will refine everything. He will purify everything. 
But you see, it is also clear in Scripture that Jesus has come to do at least two things. He's come to do many things. But we can, we can say clearly that Jesus has come to do at least two things. That is to sanctify and that is to satisfy. He is here to do these two things for us. He is here to sanctify us and bring our wicked hearts to the altar of God and purify us and to make us more into the image of Christ. So he's here to sanctify us, but he's also here to satisfy us. He's here to be with us. He's here to fellowship with us. He's here to be our God. He's here to be intimate with us. Those Christians who focus too much on the sanctification will lose love. Those who focus too much on the satisfaction, they will then lose discipline and holiness. You see, the Christian life is this constant tension between legalism and liberalism, right? How we are, we are to refine ourselves and we are to be good image bearers of Christ, but that is to be rooted in this love and this satisfaction in who he is, not in this false image of holiness we want for ourselves, right? This is the Christian life. He will come to cut off all that does harm to his children, and but he will also pour forth blessings to all those who call upon his name. Jesus has come to do these two things. He will exact justice, but he will exact an equivalent amount of mercy, right? And so when it says, but to you who fear my name, this is where we're going to be focusing most. So look at verse two, guys, in your Bibles. But to you who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings, and you shall go out and grow fat like stall-fed calves. Now, Jesus isn't calling you fat, nor will you become fat by being a Christian, though we do serve donuts and food every single Sunday. <laughs> but we, 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 we need to think about this. We need to think about son of righteousness. And, and notice how it's the son of righteousness. We'll, we'll go back here. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven. We, he says, the son of righteousness. S-U-N of righteousness, right? This is the S-U-N. So, so this, this, this is a metaphor for this, the son of righteousness, right? Who is also Jesus. I was, um, I was in the sun all day yesterday. And some of you have pointed it out to me. Oh, he must, the sun caught you. I think that was Sam. <laughs> the sun, yeah, he got you. He got you good, right? So I, I was in the sun all day yesterday. I got to surf. I got to spend time with friends. And I, I got to do all these things. And my, my entire day basically was in the sun yesterday. And, and I love, I don't know about you guys. I know some of you are like those that like to, when it rains, you like depressing weather right? You like to just get in your blanket and cuddle up near the fire. But like, I love, like we're in Southern California. Like if you don't love sun, like move, right? <laughs> you know, like, everyone's complaining. It's so sunny. It's so hot. I'm like, yeah, it's not like a blizzard somewhere else. This is why we're here. This is why we pay such a high uh, property tax. This is, this is, I pay for good weather here. That's, that's what I do. And I, cause I love the sun. I love the sun. I think, I, I, think I, I, would, I would want to be in the sun all day, every day, if it weren't just, if life weren't a thing, you know? We have to be indoors. It's stupid. But what I love about the sun, guys, what I love about the sun, sorry, I'm, you know, too casual up here, I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> too much time in the sun, exactly. I'm getting cuckoo. What I love about the sun, guys, is that it provides 
it provides every, everything necessary for energy on this planet, right? All, all energy, from what I know from my biology 101 class, <laughs> that's all I know, right? All, this is all I got from it, is that the sun is the source of all energy, right? Incredible yeah, pastor up here. The sun is the source of all energy. So, so all energy that we consume as people, all energy that we consume at one point came from the sun, right? The sun provides, the, the plants uh, get their energy from the sun. The animals get the energy from the plants. We get, you know, our energy from meat, right? That's, that's how we as people, ah, yes, meat. Steak, right? Steak came from sun, right? Deal with it. All energy we consume at some point came directly from the sun. All energy that we, came, uh, that we consume at one point came from the sun. The sun is the source of all energy. The sun keeps the earth and everything in it alive. We revolve around the sun. We are centered around it. And we are unable to function without the sun. This planet is unable to exist without it, obviously. This is, this is no mystery to you guys. Uh, I was reading in uh, the JAMA Psychiatric Journal, and then they confirmed the, the majority of suicides. So it doesn't just... So it, it provides us energy, but it provides us so much more than that. Uh, the Psychiatric Journal, it, it suggests that the majority of suicides all have something in common. Those who committed the act had not been properly exposed to the sun within 10 to 60 days. So, so the sun, guys, is, is sustaining us in more ways than you think. The sun sustains us, and, and God knows this, the sun sustains us in more ways than just giving us energy and keeping us on our axis. The sun sustains us in some ways emotionally as well. Those that have not been exposed to the sun for long periods of time experience more depression than others. The depression rate in, in states such as Oregon and Washington are far higher than those in Arizona and California. You see, the sun, it satisfies us in more ways than one. So it is no wonder that all throughout scripture, God is compared to the sun. Always. God is compared to the sun. We see this. We see this, guys, in Psalm 84, verse 11. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Isaiah 60, verse 19, it says, The sun shall no longer be your light by day, nor for brightness shall, be, shall the moon give light to you. But the Lord will be an everlasting light, and your God and your glory. Revelation twenty-two sixteen. I, Jesus have sent my angel to testify, uh, testify to you things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, a bright and morning star, the sun. God's sunlight, guys, is a source of healing, life, and joy. And, and, this, and this is nothing theologically deep. This is the simple fact that in the presence of God is life, as in the presence of the sun is life. God is to our souls as the sun is to the earth. Gives us life, energy, satisfaction. 
is the all-sustaining entity and power behind everything that we are. And whether you're a believer in Christ or whether you're not a believer in Christ, it is God's grace that you take a breath every single moment. God is the all-sufficient, all-powerful, all-sustaining source of energy. Like the calf that gets to play in its pasture. That's, that's really the language that Malachi is using. Malachi is using the language because during night and, and certain parts of the day, all the calves, all the cows, they would be loaded up into this pasture. And pastures, uh, they would be loaded up into bins or, or, or caves, right? They'd be loaded up into barns and they'd be kept in the dark for, for the entire night. And sometimes for the entire winter, they would never get to see the sun. And then they would stay in there. And, and, and Malachi is using the language like a calf who has not seen the sun in a while is finally set free to roam in the pasture and just get fat like calves do, right? Completely satisfied. You see, here, here's the thing, guys. If God is like, a sun, is like the sun, It means that in some way, shape, or form, we must step into and be exposed by him. You see, because some of you haven't fully experienced the goodness of the Son of God because you've been keeping yourself inside. You've been keeping yourselves indoors. You've been keeping yourselves in the safety of your own home, on your couch, in your blanket. When all the while you don't realize that no exposure to the sun is slowly making you more and more depressed. And you're losing your health because of it. We don't realize this as we coop ourselves up in the comfortability of our own homes. That when we exit out of the doors, we don't realize that the sun is an all-powerful and all-sustaining force that will satisfy us. He says, but you who fear my name, the son of righteousness, shall arise with healing in his wings. The word wings in, in, in Hebrew is kanaf. Kanaf, which means border, reach. It means the breadth or stretch of something. Not just wings like a bird, but it means the extent of something. The boundaries of something. So this suggests that a thriving life under the sunlight of God requires us to step into a specific area. Which means that we may actually be, whether we know it or not, outside of the wings of God. Right? Right? We can step into the wings of God, but, but really, there, is, there, there are people who love the Lord, but have not stepped into the presence of his sunlight because of the comfortability of their own dark homes. I love the passage in Matthew 22, verse 1. It says this, And Jesus answered and spoke to them again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son. And sent out to his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding. And they were not willing to come. Again, he sent out their servants saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened cattle are killed. And all the things are ready. Come to the wedding. But they made light of it and went their own ways. One to his own farm. Another to his business. See, in this parable, guys, I I want you guys to think critically for a second. 
In this parable, God is king. God is the king in this parable. And he has prepared something spectacular for us. He has prepared something beyond what we could even imagine. He has prepared a spectacular meal for us. And he is sending all of these people to tell everyone how remarkable this life is, how remarkable this feast is. But we make little of it going our own way. Like maybe I'll go when I want to. Maybe I'll step into this life when I feel like it. Or maybe at another time. Or perhaps I have finals. And I don't want to step into the Son of God. Perhaps work has just been crazy lately and I don't want to step into the Son of God. Perhaps this show on Netflix is just way too good, right? There are these things where we go about our own way all the while ignoring the invitation God has given us to step into this life. Because sometimes we think that the the will of God and the life of God is something that will just kind of always surround us if we're Christian, right? The lifestyle of God will just always surround us. We're we're protected by his wings because his wings are everywhere. Though God says he will never leave you nor forsake you, there is a such thing as stepping outside of the will of God. There is a such thing as stepping outside the lifestyle of God. And it's, and it's not to God's detriment, it's to your own, right? God knows that he's going to fix it no matter what, and he's going to eventually bring you back into his sheepfold, but there are people who stray outside of his pasture, right? There are stray sheep. There are people who say, well, maybe the grass is better over there, or maybe it's not even like they want something more. They just stop appreciating the pasture, so they leave. You see, listen, guys, this is something we all need to come to terms with for a second. The Christian life, and, and, and it's so hard sometimes explaining this to people because they've been conditioned to think otherwise, but the Christian life is an adventure. The Christian life is such an amazing adventure. The Christian life is nothing but, inter- nothing but boring. It's not boring. The Christian life is a continual state of learning new things, experiencing new things, meeting new people, going places you never thought you would be able to go. But somewhere along the line, we we got really, really, really comfortable being Sunday Christians. Somewhere along the line, we got extremely comfortable just in our routine. Like calves who just really like it in the stalls and won't go into the pasture. We got really comfortable in our homes. And somewhere along the line, we have lost the adventure of Christianity. The adventure of being a Christ follower. The adventure of being in Christ and partaking in his mission. You see, some of us are so trapped in our own self-consumed world that we're unwilling to accept the newness that God has to offer us. That God is the son that is sustaining. And and, and I think we go wrong sometimes, guys, because we focus too much in Christianity. I think, you know, in in Bible studies and in in, in the Bible studies that we do and in the, the schedules that we make, we make for ourselves. I think we get too caught up in what we're not supposed to do and what we're supposed to abstain from that we kind of just back out into our own homes. 
almost like we, we, we became Christian. We opened up this door. We came out of our homes and, and this whole world is so beautiful and it's so amazing. It's so full of possibilities. I wonder where the Lord's going to take me next. But then all of a sudden someone tells you, Hey, watch out for this. Watch out for this. You may stumble here. Hey, don't go there. And all the while, we're kind of getting scared of what this Christian life has to do. We get scared of these new possibilities, and so we kind of retreat into our own schedules, our own meetings, our own regular Sunday attendance, and we kind of just get lost, and all of a sudden, what used to be an adventure is now just sitting on the couch. Maybe going outside every once in a while. You see we also may be scared to come out of the darkness. That's a big one. You see, we are scared to come out of the lifestyle because if we go outside, if we take risks, if we go out into the sun of God, what does sun do? It provides light and light does what? It exposes the darkness. And so some of us, we are unwilling, and this is me many times, I'm unwilling to take risks in the kingdom of God, I'm, un, I'm unwilling to extend my reach. I'm unwilling to, to stretch myself as a Christian because it would be me stepping into the sunlight of God and people may find out that I'm a weak person. If I take risks, people may find out that Zach's not perfect because I may fail. If I step into the sunlight of God and I finally put myself out there to be vulnerable people might finally see my sin. And that scares us. So I'm going to be content with just coming to church on Sundays, sitting down, raising my hands during worship, go back to school, go back to work, go back to my home, and then I'll repeat. And I'm not going to challenge myself because people might find out that, oh, I I wasn't as strong as a Christian as, as I was making it up to be on Sunday mornings and Sunday nights. I'm unwilling to take risks because uh, oh, what if it wasn't God's will? What if it wasn't God's will? And I just, I, I take a risk on a ministry or on a person and I just, I just go for it and it turns out it fails. You see, we want to exist inside our means because, uh, but we should be existing inside God's means. Does that make sense? We want to be living in our own means, by our own strength, by our own power, in our own comfort zone. But we really need to start not living within our means, but start living within God's means. Stop being sustained by what's in the fridge in your home and start just going outside and go on an adventure. Go on an adventure with God. And we really need to take to heart the words that Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And when he says all things, he means it. He means things. I I can do all things through him who gives me strength. The son of righteousness has been covering me. And as long as I remain within the sun of righteousness, as long as I remain in the sunlight and the sustaining power of God, I may trip and stumble but I am sustained. I am living within God's means. And a beautiful, a beautiful example of this, guys, is is in Acts chapter three. Acts chapter three, if you want to read it here, it says, now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, 
to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes upon him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Now I love how Peter doesn't focus on what he doesn't have. He focuses on what he does. Silver and gold I do not have. I don't have that. You see, because here's, here's the thing, guys, and, and, and you learn this especially in pastoral ministry. A lot of people want help, but they don't want healing. A lot of people want help. A lot of people want to be helped. A lot of people want their circumstances changes. A lot of people want attention, but not a lot of people want to be healed. And, and here's the thing. Peter, he had, he had no ability to help this man, but he had every ability to heal him. And, and, and so sometimes we are unwilling to step into the ministry of God. We're unwilling to help people because for some reason we think we can't help them. And guess what? You can't. So if you're getting all tripped up and not being equipped for ministry, if you're getting all tripped up on, on not having maybe the resources or the time, right? If you're, if, you're, if you're getting all tripped up on not having certain things in order to do the ministry of God, know this. Peter and John had nothing but Jesus and that made it better for them. You see, the minute you start adding like, okay, I, I have Jesus and I have this ability. That's when things go wrong. I have Jesus and I have this resource. That's when things go wrong. Jesus plus nothing equals everything you need. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Best math I know. It says in verse 7, And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered into the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. This man was expecting a handout from Peter and John, right? He was expecting a handout. And you know what? Like, he's a beggar. That's, that's what he, you know, he, he can't walk. So that's really all he could do. He was expecting a handout from Peter and John. But Peter and John couldn't give him the help that they wanted. And here's the thing, guys. Sometimes we step into the Christian life. We step into the Christian life. We step in under the Son of God, the Son of righteousness. And we look at righteousness around us. And we immediately start looking for help. We immediately start looking for a leg up in society. We immediately start looking for friends or for a new sense of relationship. Or we immediately start looking for things that God can help us with. When in reality... God's here to give us healing. He's not here to help your circumstances. He's here to heal your heart. 
He's here to heal your heart. You see, I want help from God, but I don't want healing from God. Do you know why I don't always want healing from God? Because healing requires I walk into the light. Healing requires that I walk into the lifestyle of God. Healing requires that I I get out of my room and I go outside. Healing requires that. Healing requires risk. And it requires that I lay down my life. And we don't want that, man. We just want God to give us good things and good people, right? And, 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 and I think sometimes we think of as God as an asset and not an all-sustaining power source. Yeah, God is great. I love God. I love the feeling I get. I love the life. I, I love being in the whole Christian circle. I love being in the Christian culture. I love being in the Christian culture. I love being in this lifestyle. But do you know what? If it all came apart and stuff, I still got my job, right? I still got my hobbies. I still got my life, right? And this is hard. Because how many of us shape our lifestyle around the fact that if Jesus left, we would be in total despair? Or have we set up safety nets for ourselves? Have we set up safety nets for ourselves in the fact that, well, if Jesus doesn't come through, at least I got plan B. If Jesus doesn't answer this prayer, well, at least I've made some contingency plans for myself. Are we living a lifestyle that when we step out into the lifestyle of God, it's all in? Because Jesus said, those who want to follow me must deny themselves, pick up their crosses and follow me. And that doesn't preach well. Man, some of you are like, this guy's going to tell me to drop these things that I'm doing. In 1 John, it says this, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. In the blood of Jesus Christ, his son cleanses us from all sin. I don't know if any of you have read, there's a famous American novel that's called The Secret Garden. Has anyone ever read that book, The Secret Garden? Maybe you've seen the movie, The Secret Garden. Uh, to save you all the details, it's a, it's a great book, but to save you all the details, um, this girl Mary, she's, she's orphaned and she's forced to live with her, uh, her widow or uncle. And uh, her uncle has a son named Colin. And Colin has been sick since birth. He's really been sick. And, and his, his mother died in childbirth. And so he has been neglected by his dad because his dad, every time he looks at Colin, sees his dead wife. You killed my, my wife, basically. And so, and so Colin is neglected by his father, but his father sends all of these servants to wait on him hand and foot. And he gets everything he wants while he, he just lays in his bed. And, and, and he is such a hypochondriac that he doesn't even want uh, the windows open because he's afraid that, that somehow the, the air outside will, will make him more sick than he already is. And Mary, when she finally comes to live at this house and she starts interacting with Colin and having conversations with him, uh, he realize, she realizes that his sickness is not due to any disease he has within him, uh, but basically his sickness is due because he lacks adventure. 
You see, because he has kept himself inside for his entire life, it's made him sick. And so Mary, in, in, in many turns of events, she finally gets him to go outside. At first it's just once, and then it's again, then it's again. And, and you can see all throughout the book, you, you, you read as Colin is just brought back to life. He thought he couldn't walk. He thought he was completely paralyzed, so he was out in a wheelchair all of the time. The first time he went outside, he was in a wheelchair. And, and when Colin was brought outside, all of a sudden, the more and more he was exposed to the sunlight, he realized that he wasn't sick. He, was, he just needed the sun. He just needed to be in the lifestyle. He needed to adventure He needed to be exposed to everything that the world had to offer. And and when I say everything the world has to offer, I mean the world God created you to be in. You see, some of you have been praying for healing. And I'll close here. Some of you have been praying for healing. Some of you have been praying that God will finally use you in different ways. Some of you have been uh, praying that God would reveal this new way of living. You know, for me, at least, my big prayer lately is like, God, what's, what's something new I could be exposed to from you? What's the next adventure, Lord? Uh, that's, that's been my prayer. And, 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 and here's the thing, guys. Answered prayers do not exist in safety and in comfort zones. Answered prayers do not exist within your own bubble of security that you have created for yourself. You're praying for God to do big things, but until you step into the sun of righteousness, you will not be able to thrive. And your answered prayers will be out there and not where you have cooped yourself up in. And I don't, and I, and, and, and here's the thing, cooping yourself up in a house doesn't literally mean you've just been inside all day, though that may be some of your vices is laziness and staying inside, right? But some of your vices is that you've been surrounding yourself with work and busyness and scheduling. Some of you have been surrounding yourself with talent Some of you have been surrounding yourself and your social group and you have grown comfortable and you've stopped pushing the envelope of of God's limitations, which is limitless. You've been living within your own means and not God's means. Therefore, your Christian life has become boring. And this, as we studied in the first chapter of Malachi, as we studied in the first chapter of Malachi, uh, that we lose worship for God and we lose our passion for God when we're not exposing ourselves to the adventure of a life that he has to offer. My my prayer lately, and I'll ask the worship team to come back up and we'll end. My prayer has been this lately. And this has been a a short message and right to the point. And and I, I I want this to be your prayer as well. But my prayer has been empower me. And I literally wrote this down as I, as I was, I just kept having to stop during this, this message when I was preparing it. I just kept having to stop. And I just had to say, empower me, O oh Lord, to take risks necessary to display your power. Guys, are we taking risks 
Or are we living within our own means? Are we allowing God to empower us in these ways? It's okay. Are we allowing God to empower us in these ways? Are we taking risks where God can finally show you just how strong he is? Are we going outside of our comfort zones? Are we stepping into the sunlight? And I want to go back to 1 John. It says, if we, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. It will go on to say here in Malachi chapter 4, and we'll end here. Remember the law of Moses, my servant, even the statutes and ordinances which I have commanded him in Horeb for all of Israel. Behold, I am going to send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. He will restore the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers so that I will not come and smite the land with a curse. Ignore that. Guys, some of you have sin in your lives that you've been committing and it's been keeping you in darkness and outside of the sun. Some of you have deep sins that you've been committing. And I'm going to expose one of your sins that you may not realize that's there. Right? And it's the sin of indifference. It's the sin of being way too comfortable to experience God's power. And so tonight, we are going to worship, and I encourage you guys. I encourage you. Step outside your comfort zone. Some of you are way too content with sitting down, just appreciating what's around you instead of experiencing what's around you. The life of God, it's not meant to stay on the outside and be appreciated, nor is it meant to watch and follow behind because guess what? The word Christian in the Bible is used twice. Christ follower used twice. The word that's used to describe Christians is in Christ. In Christ, we need to step into the Son of Righteousness. We need to be inside the lifestyle, which means we don't trail behind it and appreciate it from afar, and we don't go ahead of it like we know better. We stay within it. And wherever Christ goes and wherever Christ leads, we go as well. And so tonight, stop appreciating and start experiencing. Stop appreciating how good the music is. Stop appreciating the good food that's going to be out here and experience the fellowship. Experience the worship. Experience God. And as you take communion, guys, this is a part of communion. A part of communion is this. We get to experience the death of Christ. We get to take part in his body and we get to take part in his blood. Meaning this, we get to not only remember that Christ was sacrificed for us and that he died for us and that he spilt his blood for us. But we get to sit down and we get to experience. As I take this bread, I am, I'm going to say, Christ, as you died for me, help me to lay down my life for you. God, as you have made a promise to me through your blood and spilling forth, help me to live within that covenant and that promise as well. Stop appreciating him and start experiencing him. Start loving him as he has loved us. And, and for those of you guys that don't know the Lord in here, 
For those of you who haven't given your life to Jesus, and that's something you want to do, you want to be in this lifestyle, we're going to pray in a moment. I'm going to give you that opportunity. And we're going to pray that you usher yourself into the life of God. That you'd stop just admiring it from afar and you start diving into this amazing adventure that is Christianity. Amen? Let's bow our heads. As we bow our heads and all of our heads are bowed, if there's any of you guys that want to give your life to Christ and, and, and be in this lifestyle, be into this plan for the first time, if there's any of you that God's tugging on your hearts right now, just pray that you raise your hand right now so I can see you. Amen. I see you. Amen. Amen. I see you. Church, we're, we're just going to all pray this prayer together as God's people. So if, if you guys will pray with me, we're going to pray as God's children. Lord Jesus, you are so great. You are the son of righteousness. You are sustaining. You are powerful. You are satisfying. Bring me into your life. I don't want you to come into my life. I want to come into yours. Bring me in. Adopt me. I repent for my sins. I know that you died so I wouldn't have to suffer. And you rose again so I can thrive. Help me to live within your resurrection. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey guys, take communion at your own leisure. And let's, uh, let's worship God, amen? Amen. Amen.